Welcome, everybody. It's good to have you all at Genesis tonight. It's great to see all your faces. Great talking to you. Um, you know what? I'm just, wanna, I just want to remind myself, and I want to remind you why we're here. And it's not, I just want you to know, we're not here just to throw a service together. We're not here for just another service. And it's not like, hey, we've got a group of young adults, and let's throw something together for them. Let's do something. We are, we are wanting, we're here to experience a move of God. Amen? We're here to experience Jesus. We're here to get our minds renewed, our hearts transformed. We're here to meet Jesus. We're here to get to know him more. We're here to be his disciples. We're here to grow. And uh, we are praying for a move of God to take place. And so I want to challenge you. Get your hearts ready. Get your minds focused. Expect God to do a new thing because that's what we've been praying for. God, do a new thing. And he says that he will. So let's expect that. Let's be ready and let's be fully engaged to what God wants to do. Amen? Well, tonight we're concluding our series on Psalm 139. We've really enjoyed it. Love going through this chapter with y'all. It's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot. Mike has spoken the last couple of weeks, and it's been phenomenal. It's been so good. If you weren't here, check out the podcast. Make sure you don't miss that. I want to start tonight with a question. Have you ever been to the ocean with no intention of actually getting in the water? Like, have you ever gone out to the beach and maybe you had jeans on and you said to yourself, uh, I'm just going to walk along the beach and I'm just going to enjoy the view. But there was something about the water. It was like so inviting and it just looked great. And you're like, okay, I'll get in ankle deep. I'll just kind of wade out there a little bit, roll the jeans up. And you know, it wasn't very long until a, a huge wave comes in and you're, all your jeans are soaked, right? Anybody ever experienced that before? Okay. <clears throat> well, the, the ocean is so big and so beautiful that it, it almost demands that you get in. You know, it, it kind of draws you in. And as we conclude our, our series on Psalm 139, this chapter we read a, a very descriptive psalm that uh, explains God's omniscience, which is how God is all-knowing, his omnipresence, he's all places at once, and his omnipotence, his, he's all-powerful. And all of these truths, they draw us in to God, just like the kind of the ocean draws us in. And these truths, the truth of God, God's word, it draws us in with the intention for us to be fully submerged and fully immersed in the goodness of God. David wrote Psalm 139, and he was in awe of God as he wrote it. He's writing as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is kind of God is writing through him, but he's in awe of God as he writes it. And he, he wrote about how God is with him even if he made his bed in hell. And he talked about how God knitted him together in his mother's womb and how he's fearfully and wonderfully made, which means you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And so in the last verses, the final verses of the chapter, which we're going to look at tonight, we see that God's actions 
for David cause a reaction from David. It's kind of a, a physics thing in a way. Every action has an equal or opposite reaction. And so uh, when, even when God is doing something, there's got to be a reaction. There's a reaction that he's wanting to take place when he's doing something. And so as we, as we conclude this, this chapter, I'll, I'll start with uh, verses 17 and 18. He says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. So David is saying, there is no one like our God. I can't even fully comprehend his thoughts. His thoughts are so vast. His thoughts are so, uh, they're really not able to be quantified. It's more than the sand that's on the earth. There's no one like our God. When he says, how precious to me are your, th- are your thoughts, O God, this is David. He's reflecting and he's reacting. And that's what we ought to do when we get into Scripture. How many of you guys really love to get into Scripture? You just really love to open up your Bible and just really love to soak it in. I love to do that. But when we do that, we should be reflecting and reacting. And so that's what David is doing here. He's reflecting and he's reacting. And when he says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God, these verses are about him responding. And so uh, why are David's thoughts about God precious to him? Because God's thoughts about David are precious. So there's a reaction. He's reflecting on that. God's thoughts towards me are precious. And so therefore, my thoughts about God are precious. There's a reaction that's taking place. Um, it's the, what, what is it when you read in Scripture, what is it that, that draws us in? What is it that causes us and leads us to repent and get right with God when we're not right with God? Romans uh, chapter, let's see, I think it's chapter 4, verse 2. It says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repent. So almost like the ocean, how it just kind of draws us in and, and gets there, uh, and it looks so great, it's the goodness of God that draws us into him. See how uh, when we understand the goodness of God, we reflect on that, and then we react to that. Reflect and react, or, or we respond. And so we understand how much God loves us, that helps us to love God more. Let's be honest, have you ever had a struggle with loving God? I'll be honest, I have. There's been times in my life where I'm like, God, I want to love you more than I do right now, but I'm struggling in this area. Right now, I'm being selfish. All I can think about is me. And I really want to love God more than I actually do. I want to put God first, but I, and I can tell you, he, he, you know, there's times in my life when he has not been first. And so there's a, a change that needs to take place. So, it's God's goodness. When I start to think about God's goodness, when I start to think about how much God loves me, when I meditate on that, I really let that soak in, then I start to love God more. If you want to love God more, just meditate on how much he loves you. And there's a reaction, there's a response from you when you reflect on God's word. Um, see, God doesn't want us standing on the shore. He wants us to get in. When we're talking about the presence of God, if the presence of God were an ocean, 
He doesn't want us standing on the shore like, eh, it looks like everybody else is having a good time, but I just brought my jeans today. And that's just not really for me. It's going to be uncomfortable. I get all wet and soggy. I don't have anything to change into. If God's goodness is the ocean, then let's jump in. Let's dive in. Let's go under. Let's play in the waves. Let's, let's be all in. Amen? Okay, so now I'm going to read ahead to verses 17 and 18. No, I already did that. Um, question for you. Do you marvel at God's thoughts? Do you marvel at God's thoughts like David did? Are you, are you amazed at God's goodness? And this is something that we can meditate on. This is something that we can dwell on. Are we in awe of God's love? And his thoughts, are his thoughts precious to you? If they are, it's because you've jumped in. You're, you're all in. You've just jumped in and you're going for it. And you want to know him more. If you're not, if you just be honest in your heart, say, I'm really not in awe of God. I'm really kind of at this place where it's like, yeah, I grew up in church and I've heard about all this stuff before. That drives me crazy when people say that. TBH. When if you're like, yeah, I've pretty much heard all that stuff before. I pretty much know that. Well, that's not necessarily what it's about. What's our reaction? When God is doing something and when God speaks something to you through his word, what's your reaction? Because you're not here just to hear something new all the time. You don't come to Genesis. You don't come to church. You don't get in the scripture just to find something new. I've got to find something new. It's not always about that. It's about responding. It's about reacting to God's actions. So if you're, if you're not experiencing that awe of God, jump in. Jump in all the way. And the truth is, is that a, a close, intimate relationship with the Lord is exactly what you've been looking for. You just may not have realized it. God fits you like a glove. He's exactly the thing that will fulfill you and meet all of your needs. The opposite sex cannot fulfill you. No amount of money can fulfill you. No amount of fun or <clears throat> false peace or drug or alcohol or whatever. No, uh, uh, no possession can fulfill you. A relationship with God, an intimate, close relationship with God is exactly what you're needing at this point in your life and all points in your life. Here's the thing about God. He always makes the first move. Jesus walks up to these guys that are fishing. He says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They were just fishing, and he makes the first move, and there's their chance to respond, to act, or to, to, act, to react. Jesus acted. It's their job to react. Um, the scripture says we love him because he first loved us. So God always makes the first move. It's up to us to react. And so we're going to see in the, the closing of Psalm 139 that David, it's his chance to, he's reflected on all that God is, uh, all that God is and how amazing he is. And now it's his time to respond. So uh, if God is been working in your life and God has been working in your life, it's time for you 
to respond. And I just want you to, to be praying about this, be thinking about this. How are you supposed to respond? Like right now, this season in your life, how is God calling you to respond to what he's saying and what he's doing? When I was 17 years old, I was uh, totally unfulfilled because my relationship with God was really just weak. There was like no commitment on my part. And so I began to uh, pray, and I, and I prayed, and I told God, God, if this is all that there is, then I don't really want anything to do with you. But I just knew in my heart <clears throat> that there was more. I knew how, you know, kind of like John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. And I knew that there was just too much of me in the way, and that I was doing too much of my own thing. And so I began to surrender to God. And I began to pray, and I've been, God, uh, show me who you are. Reveal your truth to me. Get through to me. Speak to me. And that's exactly what happened. Like, God totally answered my prayer because Scripture, I started reading Scripture and just really hungry to, to grow. And I started reading Scriptures that I had never uh, really gotten anything out of before. I'd read them, but it was like they were black and white. And all of a sudden, God opened up my eyes and things came into color and things became vibrant and they became just like leaping off of the page. And so from that point forward, I responded. Like God was doing something in my life. He was acting and I began to react. And so I decided I'm gonna surrender my entire life to you. Every, I'm gonna lay down all my rights. God, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. And I decided to go into ministry and I decided I wasn't going to do my own thing. I was going to do God's thing. And I decided to follow Jesus forever. And my life has been completely changed by God. I've never been the same since. So there's an action by God, but there's a reaction from us. God will change your life forever if you respond to him. So how is God calling you to respond right now? God's actions for you demand a reaction from you. All right. Psalm 139, verses 19 through 22. This is some tough verses right here. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a struggle the last couple of weeks thinking about what am I going to say about these verses because they're kind of intense. So let me read them to you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. So like I said, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to preach about this? Jesus loves you. Now get slayed. <laughs> and, you know, David's like, I want blood. Like I'm coming after these men. I hate them with complete hatred. But I just kept praying about it. I kept praying about it and studying and reading through commentaries. I'm like, give me something. Somebody help me. Um, but here, here's what I learned. And here's what I felt like God showed me. This is David reacting. His actions for us demand a reaction from us. And so this is David's response. That it's to depart from evil men to hate those who hate God. He was saying, I am not going to follow everyone else. I am separating myself. I'm going to follow my God. 
And you have to understand, David was a warrior. He was a guy that had blood on his hands. In fact, God said, you can't build me a temple. You got too much blood on your hands. Your son is going to have to build me a temple. David was just a warrior. He was a guy that, he, he was out for blood a lot of times, but he was passionate. Um, even, uh, and he writes psalms like a warrior, and this is a description of that. Um, even as a kid, David was a shepherd, and he was like a warrior shepherd. Any time there was a, a lion or a bear that came out to try to grab one of the sheep, David would meet this lion or this bear, and he would kill it. He would fight it and kill it with his bare hands. Like David was something else, okay? He was a warrior, and he could shed some blood. So um, when David says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh, God, he's choosing a side. You got to choose a side. You have to make a decision. Every action from God demands a reaction from us. He's choosing a side, and he's like, I'm not going to go with the bloodthirsty men, with, the, the, with malicious intent that, that use your name in vain, that I'm not going to go with these men. I am choosing a side, and I am choosing God. And he was passionate about his decision. David was passionate, maybe a little bit too passionate. I think even probably God was like, David, chill out a little bit. I'll handle this. Like he's even... He's even a little bit impatient with God. He's like, oh, that you would slay the wicked. And it's like God is not slaying the wicked like he wants him to. And he's like, please, Lord, slay the wicked. He was passionate, but maybe a little bit too passionate. But passion is what God wants from us. Are, are you passionate about your walk with Jesus? Is this something that, like when you wake up in the morning, are you passionate about seeking God today? And I'm not trying to, you know, uh, discount your relationship with God, but let's get hungry for God. Let's be passionate about God. Let's stir ourselves up, and let's ask God for more passion and more hunger. Let's ask God for more zeal and more fervor. God is moved by our passion for him. David had passion when he first saw Goliath. When David saw Goliath mocking God's people. He was angry with a righteous anger because the, the Philistines, they wanted to wipe God's people from the face of the earth. And so when David saw this, he, he, his people are trying to talk him out of fighting Goliath, and he's like, is there not a cause? Isn't there a cause to fight for people? Like, where is your passion? Aren't you the people of God? Don't you know what we're capable of? Don't you know what we can do because of who is on our side? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David was stirred up with some passion, with some righteous anger, and maybe we need a little bit of that. Maybe we need to be stirred up with some righteous anger, just like when Jesus saw what was happening in the temple, and he saw that the money changers and the people were selling things, and he goes and he chases them out with a whip. And he overturns their tables and chases them out right out of the temple. Maybe we need a little bit of something like that. Let's pray for it. But there, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? When, when David called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine, 
What he's really saying there is this guy doesn't have a covenant with God. Right? He's, it's, not, it's not all that much about circumcision. We won't get into that. But he's basically saying this guy has no covenant with God because that's what God had called his people to do. And he's like, this guy has no relationship with God. I've got a relationship with God. All you soldiers, you're supposed to be the Israelites. You have a covenant with God. Come on. Who, isn't anybody going to fight this guy? I'm just a kid. Nobody else will fight him. I'll get out there and fight him. Even the king is like, uh, bad idea. Let's not do this. He's supposed to be led by God. This king is supposed to be brave. He should have been out there fighting Goliath. He tries to put his armor on David, and it's just, it's not working. You know, don't try to be something that you're not. Be authentic in your relationship with God. Don't try to have a relationship with God like everybody else's. Don't try to be like everybody else. They're different. They have a different personality. They're unique in their own way, and so are you. And God has a calling on your life, and God has, has, an, has your own style. You know, you have your own personality, and your own relationship with God has these unique characteristics, and it's cool. So you pursue Jesus. Don't try to be like everybody else. Don't try to wear somebody else's armor. And David just goes out with his staff and his sling, and Goliath is mocking him. You think I'm, you come out me like I'm a dog with a staff and a sling? And David's not even listening. He's just winding up. And he lets that stone fly, and it hits Goliath right in the forehead. It says, gives us, thank you, thank you Jesus, for giving us a little detail, because a little description is nice. Because it says the stone sank deep in his forehead. That's the kind of stuff guys like to read when we're reading scripture. The stone sank deep into his forehead. And he falls down and, and uh, David comes over and he takes Goliath's own sword, which he was probably barely able to lift because Goliath was so big and strong. And he uses his own sword to cut his head off. And he walks around holding him by the hair, showing him, look what God has done. Look what God can do, and it stirs up all the rest of God's army, and they're like, let's go, let's get him. Maybe, maybe you're a David. Maybe God is supposed to use the passion that's in you to inspire other people. Maybe you're supposed to be a leader and not a follower. Maybe God is stirring you up to go first, to set the example, to get out there and say, look what God can do. If he can use me, he can use you. Let's be people that are people of inspiration. Let's be leaders and not followers. Amen? I'm preaching better than y'all are amening. Because we live under a, a new and a better covenant than David did, our reaction has to be to find the cause that God has chosen us to fight for. And it's not going to be like David's because that was a different time. So we don't chase after people with, with slingshots anymore, okay? This is a different time. It's a different era. And it's a, it's a old, that was an old covenant. Under the new covenant, God says the greatest commandment is to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor. So we're still supposed to chase our neighbors down, but not violently. We're supposed to chase them down with the love of God and, and uh, give them a little bit of Jesus. But we gotta find the cause. Is there not a cause? Everybody may be living for themselves. They may be doing their own thing. 
but you, you be the one that has a God-given cause in your heart. Be the one that you're ready to devote your life because God has taken action. So what is your reaction? Every action from God demands an, a reaction from us. What injustices anger you? What cause has God put on your heart? If you don't have a cause, God is going to give you a cause. Pray about it. Knock on that door. Seek that answer. Jesus said, seek and you will find. Ask and you will give an answer. You'll have an answer. Knock and the door will be open to you. If you need a cause, God has a cause in store for you. Just keep praying about it. God is going to give you a cause. God has called us to be a different kind of fighter. When David is over there, Lord, give me their blood. I hate them. With the, with the worst kind of hatred, with an intense kind of hatred, God has called us to be a different kind of fighter, a new kind of fighter. And God has given us a new kind of armor. And Ephesians chapter 6 describes the armor of God. The armor of God tells us to pick it up because the enemy is scheming. The enemy is at work. It says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against each other. People are not your problem. The enemy is our problem. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and we're called to be like Jesus. So we're called to, to go and look for the schemes of the devil and put on our armor of God and go out and fight. And so he says, pick up the sword of the Spirit. This is, this is new weapons. This isn't a sword like Goliath carried it says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so we're to take up the sword of the Spirit. This scripture is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's live. When Jesus was tempted, and I know we're all tempted all the time, right? The enemy is throwing temptations at us. He's trying to derail your destiny. But when Jesus was tempted, what weapon did he use against Satan? He just quoted scripture every time. He said, it is written. Man doesn't live by bread alone. It is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written. It is written. It is written. And he fights the enemy with scripture and, and the, the Satan leaves him. And so we're supposed to pick up the sword of the spirit and do some damage to, to the kingdom of Satan. Amen? We're supposed to pick up the shield of faith. Hey, are you guys using your faith? Are you guys using faith in God? Because you're called to, to take up the shield of faith. And it says that the enemy throws fiery darts at us. And the shield of faith just quenches every dart. Quenches them. And so we're supposed to have faith. We're supposed to be believers. Believers believe. Don't be one of those believers who's walking around criticizing everything a preacher says. Criticizing the music. Criticizing the way that the ushers... Ushed. <laughs> criticizing the, you know, the way they, they took up the tithe and offering. or the, Criticizing the mission of the church. Don't be a cynic. Don't be a critic. You know what? Have some faith. Believe in people. There was the group of disciples and they said, we found this guy and he was casting out demons. And, and he's never been a part of us. We don't know him. Should we tell him to stop? And Jesus is like, no. Don't tell him stop. Let him keep doing his thing. 
Don't criticize him. If anybody is doing something for the kingdom of God, give him a little bit of help. Don't give him any criticism. Don't, you, you don't be the one throwing fiery darts. Hold up the shield of faith and believe. God, I'm going to believe for finances. I'm going to believe to pay for my own water well in another country. God, I'm going to believe to build an orphanage in another country. God, I'm going to believe to send somebody on a mission trip this year, even if I can't go. God, I'm going to believe for one backpack just to give to a kid in my town that needs a backpack for school. I'm going to have faith for one backpack. I'm going to have faith, God, to help one kid with their lunch balance at College Park Middle School. I'm going to have faith. Maybe it's two kids God's put on your heart, or three kids, or four kids. Have faith and believe God. Pick up, pick up that shield, okay? Uh, pick up the, the belt of truth. Speak the truth. Get in. This word is truth. Pick up the, uh, the, the helmet of salvation. When, when the enemy is trying to get you to question your identity of who you are in Christ, put on the helmet of salvation. When he's trying to beat you over the head with condemnation, oh, you don't have what it takes. Man, you're not a believer. You're not, you're not consistent. You're not faithful. God's not going to use you because of how many, how many mistakes you've made, how much you've sinned. He's trying to beat you over the head. Just put on the helmet of salvation. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. When, and the devil's trying to bind you up in chains, just put on that helmet of salvation and watch the chains just disappear because your identity is in Christ. And it's not in your own works and it's not in your mistakes and it's not in your failures. Your identity is in Christ. So put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Why, are the, why, why does it say that the, the armor of God, the shoes are the gospel of peace? Because we're called to take the gospel places. We're called to get moving, get our feet moving and go somewhere. Every action from God demands a reaction from us. And so get your gospel shoes on and, and go across the room and, and share the love of God with somebody. Hey, can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? God hasn't forgotten about you. Just want you to know God loves you. It's as simple as that. Yeah, but they're going to think I'm a weirdo. No, they won't. Maybe that's exactly what they needed to hear today. Believe. Don't be, a, don't be critical of yourself. Ah, it's probably, that's probably going to be way too uncomfortable. They're, they're probably going to just laugh at me. They're probably going to reject me. No, believe. God has a under your breath, God, as I walk over here, I pray that this guy receives what I'm trying to say to him. Hey, God loves you, man. I just wanted to remind you, God hasn't forgotten about you. He has a plan for your life. Have an awesome day. It's as simple as that. But put your gospel shoes on and let those shoes take you somewhere. Go somewhere. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of the box and get going. God's action, actions for us demand a reaction from us. My reaction is to choose God. It's time to choose a side. It's time to put on the armor of God and get on his side, get in his boat. I'm going to get on the side of God's word. I'm going to get on the side of the church. I'm going to get on the side of the participators, not just the spectators. I'm going to get on the side of the people that are doing something for the kingdom of God. I'm going to get on the side of the spirit, not the flesh. That's the side that I'm going to get on. You guys going to get on with me? Listen. 
Here at Genesis, we are believing for a move of God. We're praying for that. We pray for it all the time. We're praying for you guys. We're praying for breakthroughs in people's lives. We're praying for, for new people to walk through those doors. Um, we're praying for people, that are, people to come in that are hurting and broken because God is a redeemer. All right, the last two verses of the chapter. Here we go. I'm going to ask the band to come on up as I read these. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's ask God, guys, to search our hearts. Let's ask God to try us and to see if we really mean all the words that we're singing to God. God, try me. Search my heart. Am I, am I just praying this prayer because that's the prayer I've always prayed even since I was a kid? Am I just repeating other words that everybody else is saying? God, do I really, am I really passionate about you? Stir me up, God. God, try me. See if there's anything in my life that's grievous to you. If there's anything in your life that grieves the Holy Spirit, get rid of it. It's not worth it. Man, I've been hanging on to that habit for a long time. It doesn't matter. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Whatever has been holding you back, whatever is in you that's been grieving the Holy Spirit, lay it down. You don't want to hold on to it. You don't want that. Lay it down. Surrender it to God. Can you overcome it? Absolutely. Because with men, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Don't try to do it in your own strength. He will give you the strength to do it. Our response, God, is to choose you. Our reaction to your actions is to choose you. Let's pray. God, if there's anything in our lives that grieve you, show us what it is. Give us the strength to overcome it. Search us, oh God. Search our hearts. Know our hearts. Try us. You know our hearts. You know our thoughts. If there's anything that grieves you, help us, Lord, and lead us in the way everlasting. We're getting on your side tonight, God. Help us to respond to you with passion. Our first response should be to surrender to you always, Lord. So we surrender to you tonight. If you've been away from God, tonight is is your night just to come back home. It's your night to get right with God. I'm not saying you have to get saved all over again. That's not what I'm saying, but just... Just repent. Sometimes we got to humble ourselves and just repent and say, God, I was wrong. I've been wrong. I walked away for a little bit. I've been doing my own thing. I'm doing your thing from this point forward. I'm choosing you. Search me, oh God. Search my heart. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, tonight is your night. Do it. Don't wait. Why wait? The time is now. Don't wait till you get your life together. That's what Jesus is for. He gets your life right.
And if you just haven't had the passion that you've been wanting, ask God to help you with it. Ask God to stir you up. And so you've heard the scripture tonight, but like I said, this is your night. God's acted, so it's your, it's your time to react. It's your time to respond. It's your time to make a decision. So respond to God as we sing this last song. Stand up on your feet with us. God cares for us. God, there's, there's no knowledge that, that I, your, your knowledge is so far, so far higher than mine that I can't comprehend it. God, there's nowhere I can go that escapes your presence. God, you created me in my mother's womb. And God, your thoughts for me outnumber the sands. God is so connected to your life. And I hope that you got that out of this series. And so maybe your reaction to God tonight is really just to worship wholeheartedly, raise your hands, raise your voice, whatever it is. Maybe that's your reaction tonight. So I'd love if we could go back into any part of that song, guys, and I would love for you just to sing it out. Believe it tonight that God is connected to your life more than you can ever imagine, that you may not understand what you're going through. You may be confused. You may not understand why things are happening, but God has a plan for you. And you can worship through the confusion tonight. You can worship through the frustration tonight and believe that God cares for you. He knows you. He created you. So let's sing that out one more time.